Section 28 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Betrayer Betrayed Once upon a time in the reign of Brahmadatta, king of Benares, the Bodhisatta was reborn as Saka. At that time a certain young Brahmin of Benares acquired all the liberal arts at Takisala, and having attained to proficiency in archery, he was known as the clever little archer. Then his master thought, this youth has acquired skill to my own, and he gave him his daughter to wife. He took her, and, wishing to return to Benares, he set out on the road. Halfway on his journey, an elephant laid waste a certain place, and no man dared to ascend to that spot. The clever little archer, though the people tried to stop him, took his wife and climbed up to the entrance of the forest. Then, when he was in the midst of the wood, the elephant rose up to attack him. The archer wounded him in the forehead with an arrow, which, piercing him through and through, came out at the back of his head, and the elephant fell down dead on the spot. The clever archer, after making this place secure, went on further to another wood, and there fifty robbers were infesting the road. Up to this spot, too, though the men tried to stop him, he climbed till he found the regular place where the robbers killed the deer and roasted and ate the venison close to the road. The robbers, seeing him approach with his gaily attired wife, made a great effort to capture him. The robber chief, being skilled in reading a man's character, just gave one look at him, and recognizing him as a distinguished hero, did not suffer them to rise up against him, though he was single-handed. The clever archer sent his wife to these robbers, saying, "'Go and bid them give us a spit of meat, and bring it to me.' So she went and said, "'Give me a spit of meat.' The robber chief said, "'He is a noble fellow,' and bade them give it her. The robbers said, "'What? Is she to eat our roast meat?' And they gave her a piece of raw meat. The archer, having a good opinion of himself, was wroth with the robbers for offering him raw meat. The robbers said, "'What? Is he the only man, and are we merely women?' And thus threatening him, they rose up against him. The archer wounded and struck to the ground fifty robbers, save one, with the same number of arrows. He had no arrow left to wound the robber chief. There had been full fifty arrows in his quiver. With one of them he had wounded the elephant, and with the rest the fifty robbers save one. He knocked down the robber chief, and sitting on his chest, bade his wife bring him his sword in her hand to cut off his head. At that very moment she conceived a passion for the robber chief, and placed the hilt of the sword in his hand, and the sheath in that of her husband. The robber, grasping the hilt, drew out the sword, and cut off the head of the archer. After slaying her husband, he took the woman with him, and as they journeyed together he inquired of her origin. "'I am the daughter,' she said, "'of a world-famed professor at Takisila.' "'How did he get you for his wife?' he said. "'My father,' she said, "'was so pleased at his having acquired from him an art equal to his own that he gave me to him to wife, and because I fell in love with you I let you kill my lawful husband.' thought the robber chief. This woman now has killed her lawful husband. As soon as she sees some other man, she will treat me too after the same sort. I must get rid of her. 
and as he went on his way he saw their path cut off by what was usually a poor little shallow stream, but which was now flooded, and he said, "'My dear, there is a savage crocodile in this river. What are we to do?' "'My lord,' she said, "'take all the ornaments I wear and make them into a bundle in your upper robe, and carry them to the further side of the river, and then come back and take me across.' "'Very well,' he said, and took all her adornments, and going down to the stream, like one in great haste, he gained the other bank and left her and fled. On seeing this, she cried, "'My lord, you go as if you were leaving me. Why do you do this? Come back and take me with you.' And addressing him, she uttered the first stanza, since thou hast gained the other side, with all my goods in bundle tied, return as quickly as may be, and carry me across with thee. The robber, on hearing her, as he stood on the further bank, repeated the second stanza. The fancy lady ever roves, from well-tried faith to lighter loves. Me too thou wouldst ere long betray, should I not hence flee far away. But when the robber said, I will go further hence, you stop where you are, she screamed aloud, and he fled with all her adornments. Such was the fate that overtook the poor fool through excess of passion, and being quite helpless, she drew nigh to a clump of cassia plants and sat there weeping. At that moment Saka, looking down upon the world, saw her smitten with desire and weeping for the loss of both husband and lover and thinking he would go and rebuke her and put her to shame, he took with him Matali and Pansasika, and went and stood on the bank of the river and said, Matali, you become a fish, Pansasika, you change into a bird, and I will become a jackal, and taking a piece of meat in my mouth, I will go and place myself in front of this woman, and when you see me there, you, Matali, are to leap up out of the water and fall before me, and when I shall drop the piece of meat I have taken in my mouth, and shall spring up to seize the fish, at that moment you, Pansasika, are to pounce upon the piece of meat, and to fly up into the air, and you, Matali, are to fall into the water." Thus did Saka instruct them, and they said, Good, my lord. Matali was changed into a fish, Pansasika into a bird, and Saka became a jackal. And taking a piece of meat in his mouth, he went and placed himself in front of the woman. The fish, leaping up out of the water, fell before the jackal. The jackal, dropping the piece of meat he held in his mouth, sprang up to catch the fish. The fish jumped up and fell into the water, and the bird seized the piece of meat and flew up into the air. The jackal thus lost both fish and meat, and sat sulkily looking toward the clump of Kasha. The woman, seeing this, said, Through being too covetous he got neither flesh nor fish, and, as if she saw the point of the trick, she laughed heartily. The jackal, on hearing this, uttered the third stanza, who makes the kasha thicket ring with laughter, though none dance or sing, or clap their hands, good time to keep? Fair one, laugh not when thou shouldst weep. On hearing this, she repeated the fourth stanza. O oh, silly jackal, thou must wish, thou hadst not lost both flesh and fish. Poor fool, well, mayst thou grieve to see what comes of thy stupidity. Then the jackal repeated the fifth stanza. 
Another's faults are plainly seen. Tis hard to see one's own, I ween. Methinks thou too must count the cost when spouse and lover both are lost. On hearing his words, she spoke this stanza. King Jackal, tis just as you say, so I will hie me far away and seek another wedded love and strive a faithful wife to prove. Then Saka, king of heaven, hearing the words of this vicious and unchaste woman, repeated the final stanza. He that would steal a pot of clay would steal a brass one any day, and thou who wast thy husband's bane wilt be as bad or worse again. Thus did Saka put her to shame and brought her to repent, and then returned to his own abode. THE CAT AND THE COCK Once upon a time when Brahmadatta was king in Benares, the Bodhisatta was born as a cock and lived in the forest with a retinue of many hundred cocks. Not far away lived a she-cat, and she deceived by devices the other cocks except the Bodhisatta and ate them. But the Bodhisatta did not fall into her power. She thought, this cock is very crafty, but he knows not that I am crafty and skillful in device. It is good that I cajole him, saying, I will be your wife, and so eat him when he comes into my power. She went to the root of the tree where he perched, and praying him in a speech preceded by praise of his beauty, she spoke the first stanza. Bird with wings that flash so gaily, Crest that droops so gracefully, I will be your wife for nothing, Leave the bow and come to me. The Bodhisatta, hearing her, thought, She has eaten all my relatives, Now she wishes to cajole me and eat me, I will get rid of her. So he spoke the second stanza. Lady fair and winning, you have four feet, I have only two, Beasts and birds should never marry, for some other husband sue. Then she thought, He is exceedingly crafty. By some device or other, I will deceive him and eat him. So she spoke the third stanza. I will bring thee youth and beauty, pleasant speech and courtesy. Honored wife or simple slave girl, at thy pleasure deal with me. Then the Bodhisatta thought, It is best to revile her and drive her away. So he spoke the fourth stanza. Thou hast drunk my kindred's blood, and robbed and slain them cruelly. Honored wife, there is no honor in thy heart when wooing me. She was driven away, and did not endure to look at him again. THE LANGUAGE OF ANIMALS Once upon a time, when a king named Sanaka was reigning in Benares, the Bodhisatta was Saka. The king Sanaka was friendly with a certain Naga king. This Naga king, they say, left the Naga world and ranged the earth seeking food. The village boys seeing him said, This is a snake, and struck him with clods and other things. The king, going to amuse himself in his garden, saw them, and being told they were beating a snake, said, Don't let them beat him, drive them away. And this was done. So the Naga king got his life, and when he went back to the Naga world, he took many jewels, and coming at midnight to the king's bedchamber, he gave them to him, saying, I got my life through you. So he made a friendship with the king, and came again and again to see him. 
he appointed one of his Naga girls, insatiate in pleasures, to be near the king and protect him, and he gave the king a charm, saying, If ever you do not see her, repeat this charm. One day the king went to the garden with the Naga girl, and was amusing himself in the lotus tank. The Naga girl, seeing a water snake, quitted her human shape and made love with him. The king, not seeing the girl, said, "'Where is she gone?' and repeated the spell. Then he saw her in her misconduct and struck her with a piece of bamboo. She went in anger to the Naga world, and when she was asked, "'Why are you come?' she said, "'Your friend struck me on the back because I did not do his bidding,' showing the mark of the blow." The Naga king, not knowing the truth, called four Naga youths and sent them with orders to enter Sanaka's bedchamber and destroy him like chaff by the breath of their nostrils. They entered the chamber at the royal bedtime. As they came in, the king was saying to the queen, "'Lady, do you know where the Naga girl has gone?' "'King, I do not.' Today, when we were bathing in the tank, she quitted her shape and misconducted herself with a water snake. I said, Don't do that, and struck her with a piece of bamboo to give her a lesson. And now I fear she may have gone to the Naga world and told some lie to my friend, destroying his good will to me. The young Nagas, hearing this, turned back at once to the Naga world and told their king. He, being moved, went instantly to the king's chamber, told him all, and was forgiven. Then he said, In this way I make amends, and gave the king a charm, giving knowledge of all sounds. This, O king, is a priceless spell. If you give anyone this spell, you will at once enter the fire and die. The king said, It is well, and accepted it. From that time he understood the voice even of ants. One day he was sitting on the dais eating solid food with honey and molasses, and a drop of honey, a drop of molasses, and a morsel of cake fell on the ground. An ant seeing this comes crying, The king's honey jar is broken on the dais. His molasses cart and cake cart are upset. Come and eat the honey and molasses and cake. The king, hearing the cry, laughed. The queen, being near him, thought, What has the king seen that he laughs? When the king had eaten his solid food and bathed and sat down cross-legged, a fly said to his wife, "'Come, lady, let us enjoy love,' she said. "'Excuse me for a little husband. They will soon be bringing perfumes to the king. As he perfumes himself, some powder will fall at his feet. I will stay there and become fragrant. Then we will enjoy ourselves lying on the king's back.' The king, hearing the voice, laughed again. The queen thought again. What has he seen that he laughs? Again, when the king was eating his supper, a lump of rice fell on the ground. The ants cried, A wagon of rice has broken in the king's palace, and there is none to eat it. The king, hearing this, laughed again. The queen took a golden spoon and, helping him, reflected, Is it at the sight of me that the king laughs? She went to the bedchamber with the king and, at bedtime she asked, "'Why did you laugh, O king?' he said. "'What have you to do with why I laugh?' But being asked again and again, he told her. Then she said, "'Give me your spell of knowledge,' he said. "'It cannot be given.' But though repulsed, she pressed him again. And the king said, 
If I give you this spell, I shall die. Even though you die, give it me. The king, being in the power of womankind, saying, Very well, consented and went to the park in a chariot, saying, I shall enter the fire after giving away this spell. At that moment, Saka, king of gods, looked down on the earth and, seeing this case, said, This foolish king, knowing that he will enter the fire through womankind, is on his way. I will give him his life. So he took Suja, daughter of the Asuras, and went to Benares. He became a he-goat and made her a she-goat, and resolving that the people should not see them, he stood before the king's chariot. The king and the sint horses yoked in the chariot saw him, but none else saw him. For the sake of starting talk, he was as if making love with the she-goat. One of the sint horses yoked in the chariot, seeing him, said, "'Friend goat, we have heard before but not seen that goats are stupid and shameless, but you are doing with all of us looking on, this thing that should be done in secret and in a private place and are not ashamed.' What we have heard before agrees with this that we see. And so he spoke the first stanza. Goats are stupid, say the sages, and the words are surely true. This one knows not he's parading what in secret he should do. The goat, hearing him, spoke two stanzas. Truly you're a stupid fool, you donkey. Let me make it plain, with a bit your mouth is wrenched, your head is twisted with the rain. When you're loosed, you don't escape, sir, that's a stupid habit, too. And that Sanaka you carry, he's more stupid still than you. The king understood the talk of both animals, and hearing it, he quickly sent away the chariot. The horse, hearing the goat's talk, spoke the fourth stanza. "'Well, Sir King of Goats, you fully know my great stupidity. "'But how Sanaka is stupid, prithee do explain to me.' "'The goat explaining this spoke the fifth stanza. "'He who his own special treasure on his wife will throw away "'cannot keep her faithful ever, and his life he must betray.' "'The king, hearing his words, said, "'King of the Goats, you will surely act for my advantage.' Tell me now what is right for me to do. Then the goat said, King, to all animals no one is dearer than self. It is not good to destroy oneself and abandon the honor one has gained for the sake of anything that is dear. So he spoke the sixth stanza. A king like thee may have conceived desire, and yet renounced it if his life's the cost. Life is the chief thing, what can man seek higher? If life's secured, desires need ne'er be crossed. So the Bodhisatta exhorted the king. The king, delighted, asked, King of goats, whence come you? I am Saka, O king, come to save you from death out of pity for you. King of gods, I promised to give her the charm. What am I to do now? There is no need for the ruin of both of you. You say, it is the way of the craft, and have her beaten with some blows. By this means she will not get it. The king said, Very well, and agreed. The bodhisatta, after exhortation to the king, went to his own place. The king went to the garden, had the queen summoned, and then said, Lady, will you have the charm? 
Yes, Lord. Then go through the usual custom. What custom? A hundred stripes on the back, but you must not make a sound. She consented through greed for the charm. The king made his slaves take whips and beat her on both sides. She endured two or three stripes, and then cried, I don't want the charm, and so flogging the skin off her back, he sent her away. After that, she could not bear to talk of it again. End of section 28